everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Felt a great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, I got a job for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Kind of second, why didn't you call me when you were there? It would have been nice if you called. You know, I was busy, Andy. I couldn't see you. No, I'm no, no, sorry. no. I'm not talking about that. Just call me. Just I, I figure if you're in town, just call me and say hello. I didn't need to see you. I didn't need to come visit. I know, but what's the difference? I could call you when I'm in LA. I don't I don't see the logic to it. No, you know what I'm talking about. Don't be a putz. What are you talking about? Uh, how about that? A little piece of Curb Your Enthusiasm. You heard one of the funniest guest stars of Curb Your Enthusiasm right there. And that gentleman is a guest right here this week on Everything Old is New Again with Douglas Viviani. Sands, unfortunately, David Cohen can't make it this week, but it doesn't matter in some ways because we have a special guest star from 1978. Forward Richard Kind has been all over your TV, stage, movies. If you take one look at any one of the 107 films, 130 TV shows, more appearances than that, but just the shows, and countless stage performances, you'll find that you know Richard Kind. Uh, you know his face for sure. You enjoy his comedy. And tell you what, he supports other actors and the stories that he's in in a way that makes these productions come to life. Recently, you've seen him in Curb Your Enthusiasm, as you just heard. As what the hell do I get to <laughs> We're not going to leave you any time because it's all my show. No, I'm just about done. Because I want everybody to know that the mayor of Gotham's with us, the Formica King in Goldberg's is with us. Gentlemen from Spin City, mad about you. It goes on and on and on. Animated characters in the and Cars series, Bing Bong and Inside Out. And we're just not going to list them all. We don't have the time exactly right. Richard Kind, welcome to Everything Old is New Again. Thank you very much. And thank God Dave isn't here because he's a hack. And he, so it's on yours. <laughs> he will, all he would do would be interrupt you for his own uh, ingrid. Right, I have something to say, of course. <laughs> now you... Uh, uh, Okay, first of all, let me ask you, up until this season, up until the most recent season, how many episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm do you think I was in? Uh, you were in seven. I was in three. Really? Isn't that crazy? It's crazy because yeah. you, uh, you know, it's omnipresent. Uh, you, you, you've made uh, an impression. Let's put it that way. Th- thank you. I mean, I'm so annoying. And, and when we're going every uh, over all of my credits and everything, I'm going, Jesus, I'm the earwig of showbiz. I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, you just can't get rid of me. You try. You go in there with a Q-tip with a, a chopstick. You just can't get rid of me. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so I've, I've done lots of nothing. Well, that's the question now. Since 78, you've been working all the time, it appears. Uh, most well, of the, 78, yeah. now hold on. I yeah. was working a lot in 78, but nobody knew it. Right. I mean, that was, you know, those are the, the, the growing years. You know, you, you, you learn who you're about, and then from after 78, you know, that was like years in New York. I then went to Second City, where it's like, that was like grad school. And right. being on stage every night, that that really taught me everything. So, you know, it's not until late 80s, early 90s until I, I just became annoying. I mean, you know, <laughs> where, where I was all over 
to play. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Where did you get the ability? Because I think you have the ability. Now, let's put it this way. You come on shows that exist already. Characters have already been established. Let's just say Goldbergs, for example. And all of a sudden, you come on and make a character that's, number one, memorable, but all, right away fits right, it appears to fit right in with the chemistry well, of the group. A, that's a really interesting question. All right. Uh, let, let me. Th- there's, there's a couple of answers to give you. First of all, I love going on individual TV shows. Okay? I think you get to go on. You get to create a character. You... You are with people who you usually like, because I happen to like actors, and certainly they're with characters that I know. The only thing is that there is a stigma about going onto as a guest star, because the amount of money that you can make is very limited. You're only on once, twice, you know, whatever, whatever it is, and then that's all you become known as. And you need, in order to make a living, you have to be a regular on a TV show. Doing guest spots can make you a stigma. Oh. It can give you a stigma. You, you can't handle a regular role or anything like that. So I try and keep away from it because of that. However, the actor and the egoist uh, likes to do what he does. The second thing is I like to think of it as sort of a repertory company. You know, I'm a one-man repertory. I come on, I do this character, I do that character. That, to me, is so exciting. And, and I'm not permitted to do it because of the uh, restrictions that I just told you. And how do I do it? This is, has nothing to do with me. It's easy. When, when, when a TV show is on for a while, how much can you talk about the regular characters? So you've got to invite somebody in who can have an impact on them and therefore drive their story. Plus, when you're introducing somebody, it's easy to write because you, 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 you're saying new things. You, you have a new subject. So new characters are, are very easy to write, and a lot of times uh, the, char- the uh, people on the show uh, will say, no, but why aren't you writing like that for me? You know, th- th- this week my stuff is terrible, and look what, how good this character is. It's all because they get to say something new, and the writer's mind could become fertile. So usually they're pretty good parts. Yes, and, and then though do they ask you? There must be sometimes when they ask you to uh, to come back based on I don't know whether it's the producers or the audience's response to let's say for sure. Micah King, you know. It's all that, of course. It's all commerce, you know. If you did a good job and you're funny and you serve the the, the scene well, and the maybe they get a sense that the audience like it. There's all a myriad of reasons, but they're all what you would expect, and uh, you hope for that. But like I said, it's just more, you can't make a living on it, but it's a lot of fun. All right, now let's take us a look at the inside, because we all hear, I think the word is out on curve that it's not scripted, and we just hear rumors and different things. It seems to be where it's not scripted, there is an idea to each scene and each episode, uh, but how you get there sort of is up to the improv skills of the various actors, comedians on the show. Is that right? It's both true and false. Right. Imagine an O. Henry story that's presented to a troupe of actors, and you break it down scene by scene. Okay, so an O. Henry story can go on for 30 pages, right? right? And you break it down scene by scene. O. Henry did not write the dialogue. You have to make it up. So, you know, you, you say a married couple is in their bedroom, uh, you know, and uh, she's combing her hair, and he's looking at his pocket watch. And then you say, uh, go. And, and you, you get the two people talking. That's what Curb is, but it is very detailed in its story. If you have 22, 26 minutes, whatever it is, 
than an episode is. That scenario could take 12 to 16 pages. He's very specific on what he wants, but not the words that he wants to convey it. Every once in a while, he'll give you one line, like, uh, you know, you, you had... Chinese food that day, you know. He, uh, you know, Andy complains that that, that he had a, a turkey that day, or whatever it was. He'll, but he's very specific about it. So whenever I finish a take or we do a scene, my question is not how was I, not am I funny. It's, I I literally say these words: Is that what you want? Because you know that he has in his head when he's sitting down and writing this exactly how it should go and you either match it perfectly you are not it's not as successful or you surpass what he thought the scene might be that's an amazing description thank you for bringing us behind the scenes there peeling the onion with respect to you know we hear the word then improv in in the ability to for the actors i guess we'd say to carry out those specific goals in a scene so is that right i mean or is it just an improv in the way that you're presenting it or is it the words or both you're it's it's the dialogue right the only thing the only thing we we supply is the dialogue everything else has been mastered by by larry right okay dialogue we present the story and a story has to unfold so you know you you go in and you, you, you go in and you want to buy a pack of cigarettes. Okay, you know what happens during the scene. What do you say to the man at the counter? What do you say to the people in the store that you bump into? Uh, you know, it doesn't, you know, that's not funny. But you know what you're going in for. Right. You know, you're going in to buy a pack of cigarettes. Let's dramatize that. Uh, quite often it's boring. Life is boring. You don't go in with a preconceived notion. What am I going to say if I have to pass by a woman who's buying milk? What will I say? Of course you don't say anything. You make it up. You go, excuse me. I'm sorry. I have to get through. It's not funny. It's not entertaining. Larry writes entertaining stories. Right. So he gives you the platform and and you get to play with it a little bit as opposed to a a scripted show. You know. I'm sure every once in a while something fun or, or unexpected that was not necessarily in the scene might come out. But Larry has the great good fortune of editing out what just happened, no matter how brilliant it is, because he's got 26 minutes to tell a story, and he can't take this tangent. All right, well, I'll tell you what, that's a tremendous start to our conversation with Richard Kine here. Everything Old is New Again. We will be back right after this with Richard Kine right here on Everything Old is New Again. You're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Hi, this is Xander Berkeley, and you're listening to Everything Old is New Again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Welcome back to Everything Old is New Again. That, of course, was Xander Berkeley, you know, from 24 and, you know, from Walking Dead. We played that as a little bit of a, what would we say? We're showing off here a little bit for our guest, Richard Kind who you know if you hear his voice, you know if you see his face, but maybe you don't know the name. I don't know. And that leads us into the next thing that we discussed. Uh, Yes. Can I just say about Sandra Berkeley? Yes. Some of the things that I love in the business that I've chosen is that I get to meet people like Xander Berkeley, and I get to work with him. Now, I knew him as a friend and in social situations, never worked with him, didn't know whether I ever would, was invited to do a 
script reading at the Directors Guild, or maybe it was the Writers Guild, but they were used, but Xander was going to be in it with his wife, so it was just the three of us, and I flew from New York to L.A. on my own dime. It would never have gotten me work. I certainly didn't get paid just to work with Xander Berkeley because I love him so much. And, and that's, that's amazing. So we've got a small circle, and that means that when you're finished with our show, you're going to be yes. so excited that you've been on Everything Old is New Again and had the privilege of sharing the stage, if you will, with Xander Berkeley in the past. You're going to give him a call and yes. tell him that Viviani is not so bad, right? What the heck? I, I've already texted him. Oh, okay. Now, listen, that leads me into a little bit of a conversation that I want to have about something called the Carney Awards. Now, Xander won that in 2017 uh-huh. in the third incarnation or the third presentation of that I award. I won that year, too. Exactly. You were there with him as well. And so yeah. I wanted to talk about that a little bit because here's the thing. Um a little side note here is my wife heard you, I think, probably around 17 or 18 on a local show here. He's actually kind of national, too. Is Elvis Duran in the morning. And she's uh-huh. not as big a fan of pop culture as, as I am. And uh, everyone listening to our show knows that we're doing it seven years. We talk about the wife, and she's not been on the show yet. So that tells you a little something. But <laughs> but you and your discussion with Elvis Duran, I'm sure you may not remember this because it's long ago, a little while ago, and you do so many interviews. But uh, you turned her on in that... You were very interesting, very um, engaging, and you left a lasting impression upon her. So if you could do that, I'm just trying to say with her, you uh, certainly do that with an audience, and uh, you're an engaging personality. Is that something, uh, just before we get to the carnies, um, that is a natural thing that you developed on stage and over time? Was it something, a piece of your personality from day one? Because, um, you know. I, look, uh, I was very lucky that I was raised in the it, my dad was a jeweler he had a beautiful jewelry store in princeton new jersey and my dad could sell ice to the eskimos he was <laughs> just a gregarious good guy because he used to say that there is nothing negative about jewelry you never have to buy it for a death you don't have to buy it for for any sad reason it's only positive and i think that i would be a good salesman and i of trying to approach the world, interviews, whatever it is, with that same sense that let's let's sell something, which I'm selling me. I'm selling interesting stories. You know, let's face it. I'm not. I, did, I didn't get up this morning to do this interview because I love it. <laughs> I did it because I was asked to do it. It so sounds interesting, and why not? Let's go do an interview. So why not do it with that frame of mind? Let's let's make it up. Let's make it happy. Let's hope that people will want to hear me. I am really thrilled that your wife wants to uh, was taken by me because uh, I mean, look, let's you know how much can we trust her taste? Because looking at her husband, okay, that's <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, that thrills me. You know, I'm, I'm and you know what else? And Jeff Garland said this. Okay, not to bring it back to to. Uh, Kirby Enthusiasm, but we used to talk about being a, a guest on a talk show, and he goes, don't ever come on without knowing exactly the stories that you want to tell. Don't think that it's just going to be, uh, oh, let's talk about this, oh, let's see what comes up. You've got to go prepared. I was not prepared on for this show, because this is an interview where you want really information. It's not my job to totally entertain. But on those talk shows, you got to entertain. You are there to entertain. 
and to and sell, right? Yeah, you're there to entertain. You're there to entertain and to sell that like Lotus, the, the latest project or whatever it might be that you're yeah, the reason why you're there. You can sell yourself. Maybe the latest project will sell. I also have, you know, a very good. I'm, I'm, I rarely bring it up, but I will uh, uh, say this. And we talked about it. We, I have a good friend, George Clooney, and we talk about whenever you give a speech, your job. Okay, you're going to honor somebody, or you're going to speak about how good they are. But your first job, entertain. Right. That, and if you can entertain, the person being honored will be grateful. They, they, it doesn't matter what kind words you say about that person. If you are entertaining, you will serve the person you're honoring. And I appreciate that. That, that, that does make sense because David and I have to do that and enjoy doing that every week, not only with these uh, tremendous interviews, but besides that, of course, we do the show, just the two of us, and talk pop culture, and that right. topic changes every single week. So one week it might be The Walking Dead, the next week it might be who's the, the most the, the best Disney princess from our perspective. You know, So if, if you're not engaging as a host and as a show, uh, it doesn't matter what the topic right. is. You need to have an engaging personality. Yeah, it's not, it's not your guest could be boring and that is the worst thing that could happen to your show you have to make your guest truly entertaining and if he doesn't meet you halfway then you just got to keep going right and you're great at doing that and i want to say somebody else that probably was great at doing that was art carney and these carney awards people don't know necessarily uh, briefly is from That's what i can understand most beautiful segue i've ever heard because how the hell do we know that art carney was any good but go ahead <laughs> well i'll tell you we, we have a little bit of celluloid from him and i'll tell you what I, I would love to have interviewed him because he was an exciting and interesting individual but the award is named after him because from what i see it's it's, it's kind of lack of a better word it's an honor to the second banana or an honor to someone that supports the main actors in all of these different productions and i suggest that that would be and is something that is honorable and should be rewarded, let's say, with some kind of uh, an accolade. You won that. And um, uh, if you want to talk about either the award itself or maybe in some way, who uh, would you uh, suggest or okay. nominate I, next? I, 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 I have an answer to that. First of all, it, it was lovely. The award is lovely. The guys who put it on are such menses. They're such great guys. And they like what they were doing. And look, you and I love the character actors. We love them more than the leading actors. America loves the leading actors. We freaks love the character actors. Right. And when I lay in bed as a kid, what the, I wanted to be the star. Of course I did. And then I got into the business. I worked. And I found out not only is, is, is character acting what I love to do, it was sort of born, I was born to do it because I don't have the looks of a leading man. So um, I, I was pigeonholed. I have to be not the leading man. And you support, and you often find that it's fun supporting. First of all, you walk down the street, you don't have, not everybody wants to touch you. Not everybody wants to shake your hand. Not everybody wants your autograph. They're five feet behind. You know, I've already walked past them. And I go, wait, that was that guy from. Right. And I don't have to talk to him. <laughs> so that's fantastic. And it is, sometimes you get a good reservation at a restaurant, or maybe you get bumped up to business class because of it. But it doesn't really enter your life as much as the pressures, the horrible pressures of 
being a leading actor. Right, and being you stalked know, by all those people. You're a prisoner of it. it. I don't have to be a prisoner of it. it I, can, I can have a decent life. It does and make I sense. It does make yeah. sense. Uh, turning just specifically, just trying to... Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I, I, I will t- I'll, t- I'll tell you another thing that is pressure-filled. A leading actor has the pressure of selling a movie. Right. A character actor has no pressure. He comes on, he's a little dancing monkey, uh, and he does his work, and then he leaves. And But a star, uh, you know, the a, a, he has to answer to stockholders because the, the tentpole movie is going to be that. If it bombs, he doesn't have a career. And also, let's say you go on location. It, when he says yes to a movie, he or she says yes to a movie, an industry erupts. You have right. dry cleaning and food and, and a crew. And so many people start making money because they said yes to a movie. I say yes to a movie, they go, okay, be here on Tuesday and do your stuff, right. and then we'll see you later. Right. That's what it is. It's true. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, I just wanted to pivot a little bit just because we're on the Carney. Uh, what would you say, bandwagon here for a minute. He was in The Honeymooners, as we know, in the 50s and 60s with Gleason. Gleason did not like to rehearse. We all heard that. He would come on the stage the day of the uh, the show, and he wanted to be spontaneous in some form of improv, early days, let's just call it, where there were surprises from him, mistakes from him, but Carney had to react yeah, and the cast did. I, I, I don't think he wanted to improvise. There's a, there's a, that's, I don't think he likes to improvise. No, it's a good I, point. I think it was Art Carney would react with his improv. He thought, he thought that rehearsal would make everything stale. He wanted to be fresh. Although he was a magnificent actor, he wasn't a trained actor. Art Carney is a trained actor. You got a line, you got to make it fresh each time. Gleason was worried he couldn't make it fresh each time. Frank Sinatra was the same way. They say that when Edward G. Robinson was doing Hole in the Head with Frank Sinatra, they, he, he couldn't stand the way that Frank Sinatra worked because he would do it all in one take, maybe two takes, and then he would demand that they move on. Robinson was an actor. You know, he was a stage actor. He, he, he worked hard, and, 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 and it was his job to make everything new and fresh. Sinatra didn't do that. So you get two very, very different styles of acting, and Carney, who was a theater actor, did so much theater, uh, and, and the other players knew everything they had to do so that if, by making it fresh, Gleason either forgot his lines or did whatever, they were prepared. They were more than prepared. Right, and that's a, a great uh, a great discussion of Art Carney for the, what we can do here in the few minutes that we have with Richard Kind. We're having a, a nice discussion. Come on back right after this on America's Entertainment Pop Culture Talk Show. Everything old is new again. We'll be right back. Now, back to America's Entertainment Pop Culture Talk Show. Everything old is new again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Pretty, but you're not beautiful. 
We're back here on Everything Old is New again with the subject of that Hank Azaria imitation from 2017, Don't Quit Your Night Job. We're here with uh, Richard Kind, uh, a gentleman that if you turn the TL television on right now, he's on some show somewhere, uh, and you may or may not know it, but he's there. And uh, Richard, thanks for coming back. We're spending some great uh, time with you behind the scenes and really enjoying it. That's a little bit of a surprise uh, clip that I didn't know you may or may not have thought that we would play for you. But there's, of course, someone parroting you, imitating you. Uh, while oh, in- you know what? You yes. You think that only everybody, all of my friends, do an imitation of me. It's just crazy. And the funny thing is, I can't do me. The only time I can ever do me, because it has the vowels in it, there was once a show called The Commish with, uh, oh, Christ, Michael Chiklis. Right. And it was done in Vancouver. And I was, uh, that's early on, but I was a recurring character on that show as well. I think I was the mayor of the town or whatever it is, or the police chief. That was something. And uh, so I used to play guards with Hank and a lot of people. And uh, they go, will you be here next week? And I go, I can't. I'm doing a commission. <laughs> so whenever I have to imitate me, I always go, I'm doing a commission. <laughs> and that's, that, that's the, that, if anybody wants to ever imitate me, just say, I'm doing a commission. Analogous to Judy, that. Judy, Judy, when you're imitating that's Cary correct. Grant, that, right? That's my Judy, Judy, Judy. <laughs> I'm doing a commission. So, but everybody does. Uh, uh, I'm telling you, Dan Castellaneta did a great one while we were at Second City, and we used to do, uh, what we, you know, battling me. You know, it's, 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 wasn't, it's not so hard. Well, I'll tell you, but it's fun, and it's a, it's a, it's certainly flattering, I would think. And in in the end of that, though, you talked about a, it, it, that clip is a little, and I've heard the story, but maybe if you could do the Reader's Digest version of this pretty versus versus beautiful comment, it seems to be following you everywhere. I don't know why people are getting a kick out of you. That's uh, that's an outrage. That's an outrage, <laughs> and it was as complimentary as anything. And I get accused by him of doing that. I tell you exactly who it was. Kristen Johnston, I went out, she was a young actress. She was about to go out to L.A. She's very good in New York, theater actress. I went out to dinner with her, uh, and she shared an agent with Hank. So the four of us were there. I think Kristen Johnston is beautiful. I think she's beautiful. She's certainly talented, tall, leggy, beautiful, beautiful face, but not a typical beauty, okay? She's not Jennifer Aniston. As much as she'd like to, she's not. So she's going to be singular in Los Angeles. And I think that is a great thing. So I said, you're going to do so well because you're so pretty. But what I guess I should have said is you're not the typical L.A. blonde beauty. Right. You're just beautiful. That's what I was going for. All right. I my words were not exact. And yes, but that's what I said. But I was giving her words of encouragement that you're going to do great in Los Angeles. Don't be afraid because you're so pretty and it's not the typical pretty that everybody expects from, quote-unquote, L.A., okay? <laughs> I thought I was being very nice. I get maligned for it, but I'll take it. I'll tell you what. I, and, yeah. uh, and she did very well, didn't she? She did tremendous. And here's the thing. I don't but really I don't get the objection, but I'll tell you what. It's really weird. I have called my wife pretty, and she, for some reason, I don't know, women aspire to the beautiful word, and pretty doesn't work for them. I don't get it. Is it the rock? I guess we're not getting it on, on that side. I know what you're saying. It's a, it's a compliment. I, look, I will tell you something else. I think Kristen Johnson is beautiful, right? but not in the showbiz way of being 
beautiful. Right, you're just trying to distinguish a little bit from, you know. That's exactly what what I'm saying. So, yes, I get maligned for it. I will live with it. I don't argue. It's what I said. And take it however you want. But that is what I meant. There you go. Let's segue a little bit to the idea that certainly we've talked about you do drama and you've been on, I should say, comedy. You've been on uh, Spin City and all of the, you know, all these shows we've been talking about. Right. But you've also been on, for example, the mayor of Gotham in the Gotham show, which I thought was dark but fun. Uh, you were on there like 13 times. So And other you've certainly done other drama. From your perspective as a stage actor, as certainly someone that has a background in comedy and then now performs in drama, Maybe not which you prefer, but is drama it's easier, do you think? It's a horrible way to look at it. Yeah. I'm an actor. If the genre calls for a certain form of acting, I will serve it. I know what my place is. So I got nominated for a Tony on Broadway for a Clifford Dodette's play. Okay? I was a horrible, brutal, villainous uh, studio head in that play. I was, I was hateful. It's a blast. But if I did that on Curb Your Enthusiasm, they'd get rid of me. You, 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 you read the play or, the, or the, the, the script, and you find out what the script needs, how do I tell the story, and you act it. You pretend that you are in that situation. There's a lot of difference between how I talk and mad about you versus how I'll talk on a, a, a show called Luck, right? Okay, which was uh, a David Milch show. And yet both are sort of never-see. They're never-see guys. They're weak, but it's different. But that might be the beauty of being a character actor in that you can you know, go from one to the other because it would seem, it seems like, uh, you know, in Hollywood, you're pigeonholed and you're the comedian, you're the drama person and so forth, you know? Of course, and, and I don't blame them. They, you know, the thing is, I wish that they didn't have the blinders, but I don't blame them because they have a product and if you come on the set and you are known for comedy, they may not look at it that way. The audience may not look at you with the same way that if you get a dramatic actor who comes to the table all of you know with a background of of uh, performances and w- but every once in a while a good director or a good writer will take the chance and give me the opportunity to be uh to, to act I, you know what you know what movie i saw last night casino right that is a bevy of the great comedians kevin pollack on rickles Alan King, uh, these were guys who were hired to be as straight as straight can be. Right. But what did they do for a living? Get up on stage and make people laugh. And yet Scorsese was brave enough to do what he did and took those three phenomenal comics and give them uh, uh, dramatic roles, and they were great. But I, but I, 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 I 100% agree, but I also think that the idea that someone that is on stage alone as a comedian, let's say, as a career builder or in the beginning, it, it makes you attuned to different things. You're so much, I don't know, so much more aware of what you're creating and what you're doing with the audience that I think you, you it, it lends itself to drama because look at the drama behind the scenes. Serious, comedy is serious business and uh, it's not easy to do. So I don't know, in some ways, I think it lends itself to really doing a drama later on after you've, you've created this comedy but, persona. But, but the whole thing isn't, isn't but you're using the word later on. It's not like right. I said, oh, I want to go do, do drama now. It's that people are giving me the opportunity right. to do drama on a big screen. I did it on stage for years and years, but 
what, but all people knew me about in L.A. was the comedy that I did. And, that's, and, and after a while, I started turning down the type of comedy that I used to do because I hated it. Right. For camera, I, I, after a while, it was, it was more difficult than you would think for me because I, I started to tell the truth more. And in sitcoms, you have to extend the truth a little bit. Right. First of all, you're holding for laughs. Who in the world, <laughs> in life, holds for a laugh? Right. Who rides a laugh from 300 people? You don't do that in life. Uh, but I still have it and can do it, and sometimes you, you like doing it on stage. I love it. I love doing it. Well, now, when but Steve's but, talking about that, you and Max uh, Bielistock in The Producers 2002. Yes, yeah. The, the, the thing is, on stage, you can ride the laugh in a reality that is in the script. On sitcoms, you can't because there are cuts, and you have to keep, you know... You, you, you know you have to get a laugh this third line, and then you, you can write it, but, but they, they can cut uh, uh, your reaction. You know, the reactions are the It's very difficult to explain, but it's, it is, it, they, they are different genres. Um, um, Alan Arkin talked about this on an interview with Bob Costas, about what he learned at Second City. At Second City, you learn, what is my job in the scene to tell the story? Am I a good cop? Am I the bad cop? Am I getting the laughs? Am I pushing it forward? Am I just laying pipe, meaning just laying out the story rather than be reacting? Are you, you know, are you controlling the scene? You find out what you do in the scene, and that's what you do. That's how you serve it. And that's something that I did learn on stage for four years, every night in front of an audience, six, you know, six nights a week. It was tough. Yeah, and uh, it, it was good. it but was. It's, but it's great, great training. That's why I called it my graduate school. I was going to say, it sounded like it was great training, so to speak, uh, for what you later became, which is the one of the premier character actors uh, in the television and movies today and theater. We're he My pleasure. We're here uh, on Everything Old is New again for one more section. Come on back with no other than Richard Kind and Everything Old is New again. Green diamonds. See, I got this guy in the diamond district. A disgusting monster. I'll hook you up. Yep, nothing but the best from my Mikey. You sh- this is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. And remember, sir, what we went over about the people-friendly gestures, right? The shrunken thumb, the soft chop. No, 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 you know, see, the soft chop goes away from the torso. Never tour, never tour. Always away, always away. <laughs> Okay, and as far as the height issue, we've raised the podium to give the illusion that you're not quite so tall. What are you, Doug Henning? Bing bong! We did it! We... Bing bong? Bing bong! You made it! Go! Go save Riley! Take her to the moon for me. Okay? I'll try. Uh, there we go. That's a memorable, memorable scene, I think, or scenes from Spin City and Bing Bong himself from Inside Out. If you haven't seen that animated feature, it's tremendous. And uh, we are here, and everything old is new again, with Richard Kine, who is the voice, of course, of Bing Bong in that last section we heard there. And I wanted to segue there in that. The, we heard just you know, your career is so varied and so 
large in terms of the volume of material that you have uh, presented to us and had us enjoy. But there was Spin City straight out uh, comedy. And then with Inside Out, just using your voice, I think you were able to show comedy and then the sorrow and the heart of this animated character, Bing Bong, as he basically goes to his, silly to say, but goes to his death as this... Listen, it's great that I did a good job. I'm very thrilled. I ride the coattails of a lot of geniuses. People remember me because of the genius behind the people who created the work that I'm doing. We were talking about Larry David. There is no question the man's a genius. Pete Doctor, who uh, uh, you know is is one of the great great guys of the world, and what his ethos comes out in his work. That's why uh, Inside Out is so good. I'm just riding the coattails of a great character that he wrote. Okay, uh, Spin City, Gary David Goldberg, who created uh, Family Ties and Spin City, along with Bill Lawrence, who continues to be just a genius with the uh, form of entertainment that he's chosen, with Scrubs, Spin City, and now that one with, uh, oh, oh, Jason Sudeikis that I hear is very good. He's, uh, he's brilliant. He's brilliant at what he does. I'm, I'm along for the ride. That's what I am, and I hope that I serve it well. I, I've been lucky. I worked with Arthur Penn from Bonnie and Clyde. I worked with the Cone Brothers. I've worked with Clint Eastwood. I did movies for... This is, it's unbelievable. Who You really have to screw things up if you are bad in any of those things. They're so good. <laughs> well, you're being modest on some level, too, and I acknowledge certainly what everything you say there, but if you didn't execute what they were looking for properly, you wouldn't be asked back to do something else. So, uh, obviously, you're doing it well. Uh, yes, but, but I get to meet them halfway. It's more than halfway. They... they uh, they write it out there, and, and I you do it. It's, it's the job. All right, well, let me ask you this then. When you're doing an animated feature, like, you, you know, you've done Cars, and you've done uh, and television, American Dad, and we talk about Inside Out there, on the piece of paper that you're seeing your lines, um, in, in Bing Bong's death there, it was touching, and you, you were able to present uh, an adult emotion to what apparently is supposed to be a child's project but uh, quite frankly animation today is not just for children uh, they of course uh, include yeah, but, these okay, themes okay. you know but, but look, look at the situation she has changed she has found what's good in her world and has to get back to help this young girl uh, uh, Ellie uh, so we know what she wants what do I have to do I gotta, I gotta, not only do I have to save her, I have to sacrifice my life, or quote unquote, we sacrifice our childhood so that a young 11 year old girl can start to grow up. Right. It's all there on paper. All you gotta do is read it, interpret it, and hope that your emotional life will support what those words. Well, did you read the whole script or do you just read the lines like I'm, I'm being facetious here because some people might just come and read the lines that as presented and I, move on. I gotta, tell, I gotta tell you something. On American Dad, sometimes they give me the script, sometimes they don't. They'll, they'll always, I, I do Mickey Mouse's Funtime Playhouse, right. which is a spectacular show for young kids. But do I want to read about Daisy uh, you know, going on a picnic? Right. Not always. I'll skim it. <laughs> uh, with um, with uh, Inside Out, at first, we didn't get to read the script. I wasn't able to. 
then I, I did. But that's a movie, you know. And, and I was in the sessions. I, did, I must have done eight sessions for that movie. They changed it. They re- reanimated it. They changed the story. So a lot, a lot goes on, especially a Pixar movie. You know, I, you, you get hired and, and you, you do the work, and you don't see that movie for a year and a half, two years. Right. Right. You know, it's a, it it's a big a, project. It's a very tedious and painstaking process well, on uh, all fronts. And as more or less as as this interview has been for you, I know, uh, and <laughs> I appreciate your time. I want to just turn for a moment and wait, ask. Wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait, hold on, what, wait, can I say one other thing? Of course. You rarely, you rarely do the voice with the person that you're acting with. Like right. I did Bugs Life with Kevin Spacey. Never met him. Isn't that I've interesting? Met him socially, I've, I've, I've known him for years and years, but I forgot that Kevin Spacey was my brother. So you're not reacting at all, and some people say acting is reacting, right? Is that uh... of course it's well, there's somebody there reading with you, right? But it's not Kevin Spacey, right? Uh, and it's not the and exact way they present sometimes it. Sometimes if it's available, I'll ask for the line to be played over the the speaker to see how did he do it, so that I can react in such a way. But yes, acting is reacting. That's absolutely true. And it must be difficult to do, as we we're just saying, without the the particular actor right there. And you do it well. Let me ask you this: um, You know, we and everything old is new again, as we know. Uh, celebrate our listeners know. Celebrate the entertainment of the past, and and we know that it serves as the foundation of what we do today. First, I guess, just a, a basic question. We'll see. Do you believe that that is somewhat a, a a postulation that is true? And if so, what have or did affect you? When grow- you were growing up and growing into this profession, that serves as somewhat of the foundation of what you do now. First of all, I agree with you totally, which is why I celebrate uh, shows like this and this show. Uh, I look. You study history. Why? Because you got to see what came before, so that you know how to act while you're living the life now. You read books. You still they still read Jane Austen. They still read Charles Dickens. Why? Because there is a history, and you have to see how things evolve. I feel the same way about movies and a a lot about TV shows. I have three kids. I I try and show them the old movies. I try and show them Hitchcock. I show them Capra. I show them Preston Sturges. Sometimes I see why they don't like them. They really hate black and white. But it is essential to know what the history of entertainment is so that you can watch Avengers and know what what came before it or how did it get there. And I think it's like it's history. And I think you are the better person for it. It's how I was raised. And I was raised going, my grandparents lived on East 69th Street in the city. I, they used to take me to theater all the time. And then I used to just go by myself when I got a little older. Uh, I lived in uh, in Pennsylvania, but it was an hour hour trip to New York. I it's it's just I, I, it is essential that that people be learned or and remember the past because it it, it uh, has an it impacts the present. Thank you, and I appreciate that because that's exactly what we. Uh, it couldn't have been said better. It's exactly what we stand for. And with celebrity interviews, yeah. not always easy for us to do that. Certainly, we do that, uh, David and I, one on one. But um, I'm glad to bring you into that and ask you. Well, based upon that, is this something uh-huh. that you look back upon in in character actors? Maybe someone uh, that that you've seen and admired doing this uh, profession before, or is this something in acting in general? Uh, someone that well, you lend when I, some? When I was yeah. Young, 
when I was young, my heroes were Woody Allen, Spencer Tracy, W.C. Fields. Uh, you know, and I, I loved watching the, those movies. I remember when uh, when they were talking about like Dustin Hoffman, like like the world of the character actor, uh, and they were up against John Wayne for the Academy Award for Midnight Cowboy, and uh, they lost to John Wayne doing True Grit. And you, you, and, and of course, I was aware of what American lore was and who John Wayne was, but I really did look at Dustin Hoffman, even though I was a young kid and, and, and couldn't really understand Midnight Cowboy. But these were the things that I loved. I, a, a movie that I always hawk is uh, Witness for the Prosecution, mm-hmm. uh, where everybody, even the leading actor, of course, Charles Lawton, but Marlena Dietrich, a leading lady, Tyrone Power, a leading man, were character actors. That that one kills me. I love Witness for the Prosecution. The movie that really did it for me was uh, was Mash. Mm. Uh, Mash taught me a lot about everything. It taught me about irony. It taught me about uh, camaraderie amongst guys. About taking life seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. It taught me about I mean Elliot Gould and George Siegel. They were my heroes when I was growing up. Right. I wanted to be. I wanted to be Elliot Gould, and uh, and then when I meet him, and at one point I'm in the same room. We're going to have. We're in the waiting room to audition for the same role. What the? What's <laughs> going on here? Right. That's crazy. Thank you again, Richard Kind, for being with us. We certainly appreciate your time. Wish you all the best, and hope to have you back sometime in the future. Thank you so much. All right, come on back next week for Everything Old is New Again. Continue more things, more discussions, all things entertainment, pop culture. Everything Old is New Again. I'm twisted up inside, but nonetheless I feel the need to say.